find all the case information you need faster. Smart litigators rely on Bloomberg Law's broad litigation news coverage and our market-leading dockets. Now with AI-driven search and analytics, customized alerts, and expansive state court coverage. Visit pro.bloomberglaw.com for everything you need to win. Welcome to Cases and Controversies, a Supreme Court podcast by Bloomberg Law. I'm Kimberly Robinson. And I'm Lydia Wheeler. Well, Lydia, it was a big week. Um, Actually, as we had planned this episode, we were going to take most of the time to talk about two arguments that happened. Uh, But then last night also happened. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So (laughs) on Wednesday, February 28th, the justices agreed to consider former President Trump's appeal, claiming that he is immune from criminal prosecution for actions taken while in office. We did a recent episode on this, so go ahead and um, take a listen to that for more information. And we'll probably, I don't know, we'll probably talk about it on another. We will talk more about this as it comes up. You know, the court said that they are going to hear this at the end of April. Um, the week of the 22nd. So I'm not sure exactly which day yet. So yeah, we'll talk in depth more and more and more in the and future. More. <laughs> I guess just a couple of things to note about um, about the court's order. As you mentioned, it does set an argument date for late April, which I don't know. I mean, it's faster than normal, but it's not as fast as like the Colorado ballot case. So yeah, it's also not as fast as special counsel um, had asked for. And that's important because in the order, the court noted that the district court proceedings will be on hold while the court considers this. So no pretrial prep going on between the parties. No, and we don't know what the court's thinking either because, uh, you know, important to note that this was just a one-page order that we got. There was no noted dissents. So everyone is reading the tea leaves or trying to, but not a lot to go on there. Right. So we'll do more on that. Now back to our planned programming. All right. So on Monday, the justices heard fights over laws in Texas and Florida that seek to stop social media companies from moderating conservative speech online. And we're going to chat about that one. But first, let's take a whack at this gun case that was argued on Wednesday, Garland versus Cargill. So this is the one that asked the justices to decide the fate of the federal ban on bump stocks. Those are the devices that attach to semi-automatic rifles to make them fire like machine guns. Or maybe they don't. Maybe they don't do anything. Maybe they're a fishing hook. Maybe. I don't know. We'll get into all that. But it's important to note that this is not actually a case about the Second Amendment and whether or not bump stocks are protected by the Second Amendment. Right. I think that's an important distinction to make, Kimberly. You know, this is a fight about a regulation. One, actually, that came during former President Donald Trump's administration. Trump told the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives, otherwise known as ATF, to find a way to ban the device after America's deadliest mass shooting. Uh, that was in 2017. There was that lone gunman. Uh, he used a bump stock uh, basically to open fire on concert goers in Las Vegas um, in an attack that killed 60 people and wounded 500. Um, so ATF looked at this and they looked at the National Firearms Act and the definition of machine gun and whether bump stocks fall under that definition. And ATF said they do. So, Lydia, um, there was a lot of talk about the text of the law and how it defines machine gun. What did we hear? There was a lot of talk about um, the law and how a machine gun is defined, but it was kind of hidden more in this conversation about how a bump stock 
actually works, like the mechanics of it. Um, So the whole argument got actually really technical. And that's because the law defines a machine gun as any weapon that shoots, is designed to shoot, or can readily be restored to shoot automatically more than one shot without the manual reloading by a single function of the trigger. The fight is really over whether bump stocks make the gun fire automatically or by this single function. And some of the justices, including Chief Justice John Roberts, really seemed confused about how the device itself works. And you could see it um, in this exchange with Jonathan Mitchell, the lawyer for the Texas-based gun owner and license dealer who challenged the ban. So you've said um, several times uh, that you thrust uh, with your non-trigger hand, it thrusts the, the part of the gun forward. And I understood your friend on the other side to focus on it more as maintaining pressure. Right. Um, which, which is it? I mean, do you hold it? You have to hold it harder at certain points rather than others, or are you actually moving it with the thrusting? You're definitely moving. So there was a lot of discussion about what the mechanics of the bump stock did, but did anyone talk about the effects of those devices? They did. Justice Elena Kagan um, asked the government's attorney, Brian Fletcher, this question directly. Uh, Mr. Fletcher, you've talked a lot about the mechanics of these various devices. Could you give a sense of the different effects of these various devices? So you take on uh, two poles, a semi-automatic weapon, let's say, and a conventional machine gun on the on the other. Um, how many bullets in how much time? And then um, one of these bump stock weapons, uh, where does that fall in the spectrum between those? Justice Clarence Thomas also talked about the effects of these devices. He noted the carnage caused by machine guns and said that bump stocks like basically do the same thing in this exchange with Jonathan Mitchell. Behind the government's argument is a sense that the this statute was initially enacted because of uh, what some of the individuals did uh, during prohibition. Mm-hmm. And there was significant damage from machine guns. Uh, carnage, uh, people dying, et cetera. And that behind this is the notion that the bump stock does the exact same thing. So with that background, why shouldn't we uh, look at a broader definition of function, uh, one suggested by the, uh, uh, the government, as opposed to just the narrow function that you suggest? Um. Okay, so it sounds like Thomas may be on the side of the government here. Okay. Um, Did anyone else give you that impression? I mean, definitely members of the court's liberal wing, Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson, you know, she wanted to know why the distinction in the mechanics of a bump stock versus a machine gun even matter. I mean, I, I read this statute to be a classification statute that Congress is directing everyone or us to identify certain kinds of weapons, and those certain kinds of weapons are being treated in a particular way. They are being prohibited. Um, Other members of the court were harder to read. I mean, Justice Amy Coney Barrett said at one point that she was sympathetic to the government's position, but then questioned why Congress didn't just ban these themselves. Look, intuitively, I am entirely sympathetic to your argument. I mean, and and it seems like, yes, this is functioning like a machine gun would. But, you know, looking at that definition, I think the question is, why didn't Congress pass that litigation, I mean, that legislation to, to make this covered more clearly? So is anyone sympathetic to the bump stock owners here? 
Yeah, Justice Brett Kavanaugh seemed to be at one point in an exchange with the government's attorney. Can I ask you about uh, mens rea to pick up on Justice Gorsuch's questions uh, for prosecuting someone uh, now? What uh, mens rea showing would the government have to make to convict someone. So I think the relevant case is Staples, and I think what the court held in Staples is that you have to be aware of the facts that render your weapon. So even um, if you are not aware of the legal prohibition, you can be convicted. That's right. Justice Alito also seems sympathetic to the bump stock owners. You know, at one point he asked Jonathan Mitchell if there's any reason why a legislator might ban machine guns but not bump stocks. Can you imagine a legislator thinking We should ban machine guns, but we should not ban bump stocks. Is there any reason why a legislator might reach that judgment? I think there is. Bump stocks can help people who have disabilities, who have problems with finger dexterity, people who have arthritis in their fingers. There could be a valid reason for preserving the legality of these devices. Mitchell's answer there really seemed to bug Justice Sonia Sotomayor. Why would even a person with arthritis... Why would Congress think they needed to shoot 400 to seven or 800 rounds of ammunition under any circumstance? You, you can't shoot. If you don't let a person without arthritis do that, why would you permit a person with arthritis to do it? All right. Well, that was um, interesting. Uh, well, after all of that, do you have any guesses on how the court's going to actually come out in this one? I think this is a really tough one to call. I mean, it's hard to see where Justice Barrett is going to fall on this. I also had questions when I left the argument about Justice Gorsuch and um, Justice Kavanaugh. It was, you know, both of them kind of asked questions that seemed to suggest, you know, at one point that they were on the government side and then on another point that they were on the gun owner side. So it was it was tough. But before we go, I, you know, I wanted to go back to those social media cases that we mentioned at the top of the show. Um, We've been such teases here, first immunity, then social media. Um, So let's go back and talk at least about the social media cases. Um, A quick note for our listeners here. We previewed those cases last week, so go back and give that a listen. But let's talk about what the court might do with these laws out of Texas and Florida um, that seek to limit what social media platforms can ban online. Is the court going to let these things stand or not? I mean, from the argument, it kind of sounded like this one is anyone's guess, too. Yeah, a lot like the gun case. I wasn't, um, you know, feeling a particularly strong way when I came out of the arguments. Um, And that's because there were justices across the ideological spectrum that really seemed concerned that what Texas and Florida are really doing here probably does violate the social media platform's First Amendment rights. And I think we saw that most clearly with Justice Brett Kavanaugh, uh, who was adamant that like the First Amendment is there to protect against government invasions into speech, not private parties. Right. But there were also a number of justices that were hesitant to strike down the laws in their entirety, right? Yeah. And so that came um, up sort of because of a litigation tactic. And so the trade groups representing these social media platforms made a facial challenge to these laws rather than an as-applied challenge. And so several of the justices seem to think like part of these laws were probably okay. So um, I'm thinking back to some of those transparency laws that we talked about on our episode previewing this or, you know, applications not to social media, but to things like email that are a little bit more like, you know, like a telephone or something. So, you know, it may be that the social media platforms might lose here, but could just come back with a different different challenge. Well, if you had to guess, Kimberly, where do you think they're going to go with this? 
Um, yeah, I don't. Again, I, I don't really know. There's so many competing sort of tensions here. Um, one thing I will say is that I think the justices are going to be really careful here. You know, Justice Amy Coney Barrett talked about, you know, really getting into a lot of landmines. And I think, you know, what she was thinking of was the court has sort of tried to kind of tackle Section 230 and kind of the um, immunity that it gives to these social media platforms for things that are posted on their websites. And it really seems like these two issues are sort of tangled up. And I think the court wants to be careful to say something about, you know, this particular matter without really going into the 230. So we'll see. We'll see how they do it. Yeah, I don't expect to see a decision in either the social media cases or the bump stocks case until the end of June. Uh, So I think that does it for today. Um, You can join us next week for another episode of Cases and Controversies. And until then, follow along with all the latest Supreme Court news at news.bloomberglaw.com. Smart litigators find winning arguments faster with Bloomberg Law. Our market-leading docket coverage has AI-driven search and analytics, customized alerts, and expanded state court coverage. And that's not all. Visit pro.bloomberglaw.com for everything you need to win.